How's everybody doing this morning? My name is Tim, and uh, haven't seen me in a while, but uh, good to good to have you all here, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. Uh, if you're a guest here, we hope you'll just uh, sit back and enjoy uh, your worship experience here. And uh, we do believe that uh, we're here to build a bridge to a better life, and so we're we're uh, about that here. And uh, it's been a while since I've been in the pulpit. Um, I think the last time I talked was uh, New Year's Eve, and so. Um, Good to be uh, back with you uh, today. We're, we're starting a new series. We've got a bulletin. You can pull out the notes if you like and and uh, follow along if, if you if you if you care to. Uh, and it's a, we're looking at the one another way. Uh, we're looking at all these different passages in the Bible for the next this week and the next five weeks about the idea of this culture that God wants to create in His kingdom, uh, a culture of community, and. Um, I got the idea from a little booklet by Linnell Waters called The One Another Way. And all it is is a book that lists all the passages in the New Testament that relate to relationships or one another. There's over 1,700 passages in just the New Testament alone that encourage us a lot about how to connect and to have this, to live this one another way. She called this book God's book because all it was was verses that she categorized and and um, I've got a copy of it at home right now. One of the things I want you to notice inside the bulletin cover is really this is what being one another way looks like. It's people. It's people embracing each other. doesn't matter what age you are. doesn't matter what sex you are, what man, male or female. doesn't matter, you know, uh, tall or short or some of us here a little bigger than others. That's, it doesn't matter. We all love each other and we're all connected in some way. What I'm learning from all these one another passages is this. And I've learned it in the last couple of weeks as well, being reminded as I attended a funeral, uh, I did a funeral a couple of weeks ago, that you and I, how we're going to be, the way we are is going to be shaped primarily by two relationships, my relationship with God and my relationship with the rest of the body of Christ, with people. And so this is, this is a very, uh, to be a very a good opportunity to, to uh, cover relationships because we've been the theme of our of this year is filming and if you look in the book of Colossians one of the things that Paul encourages the church at Colossae to be is full of love toward one another so I thought we would look at this particular series in the next several weeks um, in a little book I'm reading called Making Room for Life um, by Randy Frazee he talks about how how advertisers appeal to different cultures of the world. Uh, for example, Korea, uh, you can't advertise the same way in Korea as you would in the United States. And it's because Korea, is ha- they're very big about relationships. So if you want to promote a product, you talk about the advantages of it that it gives to connect, to connect with other people. In America, it's totally the opposite. Americans promote individuality. And so if you want... If you want to uh, appeal to an American mindset, you have to appeal to his individualism or his individuality, his independence. And you think about it, we love independence, don't we? We set a whole day aside just to shoot off fireworks to celebrate our independence. We like our independence. We admire independent people. We admire that person that somehow manages to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. If you're watching the Olympics, you see this over and over again. The individual medals that people get and how, you know, 
this skier or this skater overcome great obstacles to get to this moment. And we're all so proud, especially when they're Amer- we're so proud. We celebrate it. We like it. And we like our independence. How many of us here, when you stop and think about it, couldn't wait for the day that we could finally be out of that household, out from under the thumb of our parents, so we could be out on our own. Am I right? Yeah, I remember that. I remember going, man, I can't wait to shake the dust off this crummy little house and see the world, like George Bailey would say, sort of speak. And I remember it wasn't a week later, I'm back at home with my laundry. And I'm tired, and I'm walking up the steps at 8 o'clock in the evening. 8 o'clock now! And my mom's saying to me, what are you doing, honey? I'm going to bed. I'm tired. What happened to all this? I want to be out on my own. I'm going to party all night. You know, all this stuff. I don't know. I'm just tired right now. Could you do my laundry? And that was the way that worked. But we do. We love our independence. We have these goals. People have uh, goals in an American mindset. We want to become uh, financially, financially independent. So we work, some of us work on our retirements, or we want to be self-sufficient. Or if you're a prepper, you know what a prepper is, right? They're getting ready for doomsday. They want to get up their solar panels, and they say stuff like this, I can't wait to get off the grid. Right? Off the grid. And what's that mean? Well, if I get off the grid, you know, I'm, I'm able to stand on my own. I don't have to rely on anybody else. We love our independence. And we do think that these things will bring us happiness. But the truth is, America's never been more depressed. We have all these things that give us independence, but yet we're not as happy as they, as, as we think they promise. I mean, stop and think about it for a minute. You know, sometimes, I don't know if you've ever heard anybody, maybe you've said this, you know, we'll say, I'm a, I'm a private person, Tim. I guess you'd call me a loner. You know, I like to be alone. When did that happen? When did that happen? What do you mean, Tim? When you weren't born alone, when you came out of, of the womb, you had a team of doctors and nurses that welcomed you, and then here comes all the family over to see the baby. This just a few days ago, my fifth granddaughter was born. And her name, Mabry Jo, Mabry Jo, seven pounds, I'm guessing 14 ounces. And, um, and so what do we do? We're going to go see the baby, and what? And, and the baby's being, and Mabry's being passed around, back and forth, all over the place. You know what? Happened? When did it start? Stop and think about that. When did it start for you, for me? When we started thinking, I want to do this by myself. I want to do this on my own, because we weren't born into the world to be isolated. God, even, even birth wasn't by myself. Even the, the physical way things are and the social way things are structured, as children, we had lots of connections, am I right? Lots of connections with friends, family, neighborhoods. I mean, I got to thinking about this. You know, being by myself. Um, am I right? But one of the harshest punishments in prison systems is solitary confinement. Why do they choose that if we like being alone, if we like being independent? Because we're not wired that way. We're really not made to be independent. 
and alone. We're not made to be isolated. In this little book by Randy Frazee, Making Room for Life, he mentions a phrase I'd never heard before, and it's called crowded, crowded loneliness. And it means this, you can be surrounded by all kinds of people and all kinds of things and still feel like you're by yourself. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. Okay, so, and he talks about that. And he says, this is unique in the American culture. We have all so much more, yet we feel so alone. Now, God says the opposite. American culture says it promotes individuality. God promotes community. He promotes community. Look what the Bible says here. Since we're all one body in Christ, we belong to each other. And each of us needs all the others. What's he saying? We need each other. We need each other. I need you and you need me. You need the person next to you and they need you too. We need each other. And it's one of the, one of the primary reasons the church is here. To supply the community, the one another element that's in our lives. So why do we need each other? Why do we need others? What do I need from other people, in other words? So why do I need others? So let me give you five reasons you need people. And they're all W words. The first one is, I need others to walk with me. Would you agree life is a journey? Absolutely, isn't it? Yeah, some of us say it's been a tough one too. Yeah, well, my life with God is a journey too. Look at this passage. So that just as you receive King Jesus as Lord, so you must continue your journey in Him. I think some translations say your walk with Him. Continue your walk with Him. I, I believe this. I believe you and I were never meant to walk through this life alone. Now, how do you know that, Tim? Well, look at the first fella. Look at the first man on the earth. His name was Adam. And he was surrounded by all kinds of things. He had all kinds of things around him. Creation, animals, even God was in his life. And God would say these words. God said, it isn't good that a person should be alone. I will make for him a companion suitable for helping him. I got to think, was Adam really alone? No, he had all this stuff crowded around him, but he was lonely. He even had a relationship with God, which is, to me, should satisfy all my needs, but yet God would say, hey, there's some things that others need. There's some needs that other people need, and I want Adam to experience that too. See, Adam, you need community too. He needed others. And so Eve shows up. Now, why would I need others to walk with me in my life? Well, let me tell you, when you have other people, and you include other people in your life, and you resist this habit of isolation, this, resist this habit of independence, and you begin to incorporate God's idea of one another, community, interdependence, in His culture, in His church, in His kingdom, this is what happens. It's safer. That's the first thing. It's safer. I've always heard there's safety in numbers. Is that true? I mean, the buddy system has saved how many lives at the swimming pool? You got your buddy? You got your buddy? Yeah, it's safer when you have more connections with people. I'm stronger as well. There's strength in numbers, too. You can't tell me if you were walking up to somebody and there was five of them coming at you versus one, wouldn't five kind of scare you? There's strength in numbers. And if you had five on your side and they only had one, wouldn't you feel a little stronger? 
Absolutely. There is strength in numbers, and so connecting with people, community, is, makes me stronger. But it's also supportive. I'm also, I find this support system. I've been watching the Olympics. I've been video, you know, or taping them. I say videotaping, DVRing them. And I've been, I don't know why, I'm, curling just doesn't do it for me. Okay, I'm sorry. If you're a curling person, well, more power to you there. I'm into the biathlon where they're skiing and shooting at targets. And it's amazing. And these, I don't understand why the Netherlands and, and Germany haven't ruled the world because, man, they can shoot good and, they, and Americans are like 10th, 17th, you know. We try. But I'm watching the biathlon and I couldn't help it as I was watching the first one. They're getting into the middle of the race and this person is, you know, they go like this when they're skiing, right? you know, when they're going up the hill. I can't do it. I'm not a skier. Is that obvious? You probably said, Tim, you ought to be in the Olympics. No. And I'm doing it. You know, they're doing this. They're doing this. Up, and there's somebody beside them going, come on, come on, stay. I Whatever they're saying. I don't know what they're saying. I get the impression just from the body language, hurry up. You're only this much behind. You're doing great. One of the skiers, uh, just in the, without the, the gun, just the, the skiing, the long distance skiing, had never finished well in the world championship, and she's from Sweden. She won, I watched her last night, uh, yesterday afternoon, win a gold, a gold medal. I couldn't believe it. She couldn't believe it either. But she had these people yelling, you know, they're yelling, you know. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) Ulrika's killing me now, man. Well, I don't know what they say. She can tell you. Oh, that's why I'm not in the pulpit so often anymore. But you see what I'm saying? They're they're yelling, and it's supportive. It supplies support. We need people in our lives saying, you can do it. Keep going. Don't quit. Don't stop. And when you have a system and a network like that, uh, it works. Let's move on. There's another thing. It's... It's smarter. <laughs> it's smarter. I'm going to get a dose of that after the church. It's smarter when you have other people connecting your life. Just read the book of Proverbs. Read the book of Proverbs and you can't help it. Take a highlighter. You're going to use a couple because there's so many verses that just talk about the wisdom in having other people in your life. Um, let's see. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but he who is a companion of fools suffers harm. And so you see that. You see it over and over again. Now, here's the passage of the New Testament that's a very popular passage that a lot of people will use. It's in Hebrews 10:25, and it goes like this. And it's encouraging us to work together, to be together, or to walk together. Don't stop meeting together with other believers, which some have gotten into the habit of doing. Instead, encourage each other. And I've assumed for years that this passage was about Sundays. In fact, after I became a Christian, I had people in my life really pointing this passage out so I wouldn't miss church. You know, the Bible says there, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. That's King James. Okay? So you know it's right if it's King James. And you're supposed to, you know, but be there all the more and be there. You need to be there, Tim. Nobody had to tell me to be at church. I love church. I wasn't called Timothy Church Mouse for nothing. But I can tell you, there I did notice as a church mouse in the church, lots of people getting into that habit of not meeting together. They begin to isolate themselves. In fact, there's two habits in this passage. You can either have the habit 
of association or the habit of isolation. You decide. And it's a habit you develop. It isn't something you're born with. It's a habit you develop. Now, the early church got together more than on Sunday. This is what I realized. This verse is a lot more than Sundays because they got together all the time. They had a, if they had a reason, they got together. Sometimes daily. The Bible says they got together daily. So they were constantly connecting. There was never a, play, never a group of people like the early church in Roman culture. In Roman culture, you were all divided into segments. There's the slave over here and the free over here. There's the masters and the slaves. There's the rich over here and the poor over here in this particular group. There's the male over here and the female over here. And children, you know, they were in another category altogether. But in the church, in the kingdom of God, everybody is included. You know, one of the things that strikes me about the church in the Roman Empire I discovered was the reason that one of the reasons it flourished was because in that group a slave had as much say as a master. The poor had as much say as a rich person. And a female's opinion was just as important as a male's. There was no place like that. So when they every chance they had got together, they got together and they walked life together. I noticed, I noticed two things about this, about the church, the early church. They, there was temple courts time, big group time, and house to house, small group time. I never noticed that before. That the church got together as a big group, but they also got together in a small group. Now, I don't know if you, if you do both. I heard it said this way. If you only participate in one of these groups... You've cut your connection in half. You've cut your connection and, and, and your help in half. Now there's some things, in a, I love big groups. I love big groups. Lambeau Field. Even when the Packers are getting beat, it's crazy. Bush Stadium. Oh my, playoffs. Big groups. I love big groups. I, I like church Sunday. I like Sunday group. If, st- some stuff happens in a big group that don't happen in a small group. Agree? There's a lot of a lot of other things that factors that, that seem to happen. But there are some things in a in a big group. It's more difficult to have in a big group that you can do much easier in a small group. And connection is one of them. Community is one of them. I want you to know it's great that we pray together. I want you to know that, uh, you know, I hear, I hear the rumbling and the mumbling, and maybe some of you get uncomfortable with that every once in a while going, oh, this sounds weird. Everybody praying. What are they doing? What are we doing praying? We're a church for crying out loud. What's wrong with that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, we can't do that praying stuff. But, and I, I want you to know, it does this, when we first started doing it, it kind of disrupted us, didn't it, a little bit. Some of us here are going, I don't know if I like this. You know what you're saying? You don't like praying? You don't like praying like in a big group. It's kind of funny. It's kind of weird. That's because the American church has structured their church in such a way to make it uncomfortable. Al and I were praying together. He was praying for me uh, here behind us, uh, behind the, in the back room over here. And see, I, I like that. I like those small, intimate, no, no voices, no rumbling and mumbling. There's something that, I'm not saying that praying together is bad. It's good. But there's something great about a small group getting together and praying. 
uh, or, a, or a group of people get together and talking about stuff. I can't have conversations in a big group like I do in a small group. How about you? It just seems that even, even when our small group gets too big, some of us shut down and don't share, do we? Because it's lost its smallness. See, there's, there's, there's temple time and there's house-to-house time. And I can get lost in the crowd. I can fly under the radar, too. Nobody ever sees me and notices me in a big crowd. I can do it for years. But when I get in a small group, it changes totally. A dynamic appears that's easier to accomplish than in a big group. Now, where am I going with this? We need people to walk with us. I'm asking you, are you in a small group? And I would like to ask you, if you're not, to get in one in the next five weeks. Have the courage and the faith to get in one. We need to walk together. There's something good about that. That's the first thing, I, that, why I need others. I, I need others to walk with me. There's something good about that. The second one is I need others to work with me. I don't mean like work with me here, cooperate with me. No, I need people to work side by side with me. We need to work together. Ephesians 4 says, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Again, as each part, circle each part, that's you and me. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts, that's everybody else. Circle that, other parts, helps them grow. And what happens to the whole body? It becomes healthy and full of love. This year, our theme is fill me And I want the church to be full of God's love. I want your life to experience the fullness of God's love. See, too many Christians have what I call MTS, Mother Teresa Syndrome. And what does that look like? Well, it's I want to do it by myself. Now, (laughs) I wish I could tell you I don't have MTS. I've got loads of it. I am a very independent person. I want to build it by myself. I want to draw it by myself. And my grandkids have caught this virus from me. Just yesterday I'm playing with Carmody and I'm trying to color on her coloring book and she swats my hand away. No, Grandpa, I'm coloring. I said, but you said we were going to color together. And she goes, right, but I'm coloring right now. And we never got to the point of coloring together. Very independent. I'm disappointed. Maybe this fifth grandchild will let me color with her. There's hope. No, but my point again is, is that, you know, we want to do it by ourselves. And maybe it's, maybe, I don't, for me, you know why I don't like help? Well, it's just, it's just easier to do it yourself. I love that excuse. I'll remember to use that next time. But that's not why I do it. I do it because I'm afraid of looking weak. I'm afraid of looking like I don't have it all figured out. And if I ask somebody else to help me, that just kind of... I have to admit, I need help. You see, when you suffer from this kind of independence, it's no wonder. It's no wonder I find myself, and maybe you find yourself the same way. You find yourself cranky, critical. You find yourself, if not cranky, maybe a little bitter about something, or grumpy and frumpy about something. You know why? You know why I'm that way when I'm that way? Because I'm tired. And I'm tired because I'm doing it all. 
and I won't ask somebody for help. In this series, I've asked Nathan and Mike, Nathan Gill and Mike Dennis, to help me with this series. You know, I just can't, I just can't uh, preach every weekend, week out anymore. And I've got to admit it. What's wrong with you, Tim? Are you sick? See, you're not encouraging me there. When you talk, what's wrong with you, Tim? There's nothing wrong with me. I need to admit I'm weak. I just need to let some other people help. What's wrong with that? What a model for you and I when your leadership will let each other help each other. What's wrong with that? You ought to praise God for that. Instead of having one guy in a pulpit, weekend when well, I don't know, I just like him, or I just like I like Gary. Listen to yourself. You say you're making fun of me. I, that's the only way I can get across. What's, what's the deal? You know, we ought to like teamwork. That's what ought to appeal to you: teamwork. See, that's our independent spirit. When we say, oh, "I just want this," and "I just want to do it myself." And I want you to do it by yourself. No. No. God, He He does not promote individuality. He promotes community. By the way, Mother Teresa had lots of help. <laughs> Just want to make sure you know that. She had lots of help. That's why she was able to serve for almost 50 years. She could, she could do it a long time because she had help. Look at the Bible says here. Two people are better than one because they get more done by working together. I've wore that passage out over the years. But I use it in weddings all the time too. We get more done when we let people work with us. Doug Peterson has these words on his locker room wall and in his office. They say this, an individual can make a difference, but a team can make a miracle. And by the way, Doug Peterson is the coach for the Philadelphia Eagles that just won the Super Bowl. He understood. You can't do it by yourself. You need help. Yes, you can make a difference by yourself. Yes, you can make an impact. It does take teamwork to make a dream work. And when you start networking and connecting with people, it's amazing what you can accomplish. You get more done. Why? Because it lightens my load. And I and therefore gives me Endurance. I heard somebody say community is God's answer to fatigue. I thought to myself, it's also God's answer to endurance and longevity. Look at this in Galatians 6. All the plural words, all the plural, there's not an I in it that I could find. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. Can you get tired doing the Lord's work? Can you get tired just doing work period? Absolutely. At the right time, we will, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now. Now Paul says, listen, Galatia, right now to this church. Right now. Therefore, every time we get a chance, let us work for the benefit of all. Starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. He's saying, I want you to incorporate a one another way attitude. Work together. I'm amazed at the Amish. They're able to do a barn raising in one day. And how are they able to do that? Well, they're just fast. They use a lot of power tools. No, they don't. Well, how do they do that? Everybody comes and does their part. Just their part. And, and, and in a day, you have a barn raised as each does its part. They work together. 
and learn to work together. So we need each other because I need people in my life, you need people in your life, to work with you. And somebody needs you to work with them. It's good for us. Number three, I need others to watch out for me. <laughs> oh boy. Watch out for me. Look at the Bible says here. Look out for one another's interests, not just your own. I've always read that for years to say, hey, don't be selfish. Yeah, but look out for one another's interests, it says. You watch each other's back. You look for what's good in somebody else. Too many churches today are watching each other for a slip-up, for a gotcha moment. That's, that's just, that's politics. That's not the way it's supposed to be in the kingdom of God. You know, why do I need somebody to watch my back? That's easy. The reason I need somebody to watch my back is I have blind spots. I don't see everything. Years ago, when we were in the old building, and this building was under construction, uh, I started preaching. I started taking the pulpit. And here we were, you know, going full bore. And, you know, the services were much like they are today. Have a couple of songs in the Lord's Supper. And here we go. We work out. And I know, okay, this is this. And I always hear that. Okay, let's sing one more song before Tim gets up to preach. And I'm sitting on the front row. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just chopping at the bed. I'm ready to go. You know, just sit. Ding, like sea biscuit. I'm out of the gate. I'm ready to go. And so I'm just excited. And, and all of a sudden, somebody's pulling on me. I go, what? What? Tim, I need to talk to you. No, 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 I ain't got time. Man, the song, I'm about to get up and talk. And they go, no, I need it. It's very, very important. And I'm like, no, no. You know, you big no-no. Just a heads up here. Never talk to the preacher just before he gets up to speak. You could, you could wreck a sermon. You could wreck him. You know, you didn't wave at me and say, chop and say, what? I don't have time to talk to you. I, I got to get up there. No, that's right. You know, you didn't say hi to me last week. Oh, well, hi, bye. You want to, you got to move. And so I'm sitting there going, what is it? Well, I need to talk to you privately. I go, they're on the last verse. And so we go to the back, close the door. What is it? And he goes, your sweater's wrong side out. What? And he grabs my tag and pulls it like that. Your sweater, pal. It's wrong side out. Oh, man. Thanks. I don't go, no more of this. What are you doing? You're messing with my routine. I'm like a dog. i got to circle three times and then sit. I've got all my... And he's going, you pulling on my tag. Thanks. You know, I, I want you to know we ought to look out for each other. I had a kid one time talking to a bunch of kids. And I'm saying, anybody got a question? And kid, yeah, your zipper's unzipped. I go, what? And it was. Hey, eyes up here, folks. Eyes up here. Hey. This is where, look at me. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I've had people say, Tim, there's, there's something in your nose. I don't want to say the B word, but bugger. Or you got weepers. You got, little, did you take a bath this morning? Your hair. Did you wear any deodorant? You know, I, I appreciate that. Oh, oh it's, I hate hearing it. I hate hearing it. I try. But some of us say, hey, breath. Oh, gosh. Oh, here's a mint. Then he's all take the Tic Tacs and go, which means you reek. Aren't we family here? Can't we talk about this stuff? And by the way, it's not just my, you know, Clothing or my halitosis or whatever it is that, that I need look, I need to have people look 
for me and watch my back for, I need people to watch when I'm discouraged and when they're discouraged. When, when things don't work out. I, somebody that will say, they're not looking for dirt, they're not looking for flaws, they're not looking for the gotcha moment, but they're, rather they're just saying, look, are you okay? That's what families, good families do, folks. They look at each other and go, man, you're just acting kind of funny. Are you okay? They may start off with, so how's it going? Pretty good. Well, you're walking kind of funny. You're acting kind of funny. Are you okay? You seem withdrawn a little bit. Everything going all right? Well, you know, I'm in the shower a couple of days ago. And I'm going, I'm going to have five grandkids. I'm going to have five grandkids. And they're not done. <laughs> what is happening? I might act a little funny. But sometimes, you know, we're, we're afraid or we're hurt. And somebody notices it. The Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, He leads them to you and says, Are you okay? And they're not fishing, they're not trolling. They've been tugged by God's Holy Spirit. And they notice something about you. Praise God that they're, they're watching your back. Hey, you're, I'm just concerned about a temptation. You seem like you're getting, going to get, you're getting involved in something. You to look at it again. I want you to be careful. You know anybody like that? You know, Mike, remember Mike, he gave me an article. Man, it was years ago. The average American has, was it a half a friend or something like that? Or it was just, it was like not even a full person. How do you have a half a friend? It don't make any sense, but that's how bad it is in America. That's how superficial our relationships have become. That people really don't know us. I did a funeral two weeks ago, folks, for a friend who used to come to church here named George Schellenberg. His third wife passed away. I love George. And I knew nothing about this wife. I knew his other wife really well. I did not know anything about this woman. I hate that when I have to do a funeral. I don't know the person. But you know how I found out all about this person? Who Joyce Schallenberg was? All of her friends and family told me. Her relationships. Her relationships. And I'm just simply here to tell you this morning that you know they were, they've watched her closely and they've watched out for her. And all I know is that sometimes we need somebody to know us really well. Not just a half a person or one person, but a group of people. More eyes, more ears, more help. Ecclesiastes 4, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Now I know some of you are saying, I know some people that fought all by themselves and they did just fine. Samson did. Yeah, how'd that work out? How'd that really work out? Yeah, he defeated a bunch of people, but because he had nobody in his life, nobody watching his back, look what happened to him. And yes, there's going to be some people in the Bible, and even people in society, all by themselves, they achieved victory. They weren't defeated. But those are exceptions to the rule. Here we see it says two can stand back to back and conquer. What's he mean? They watch each other's back, and they're amazing. They can do amazing things, and they will not be defeated. What's he saying here? Community gives me an edge. When I connect, when I, when I embrace this one another idea of I really need to be connected. Well, I've got, I've got family like that. Listen, I know you have DNA family like that, but GOD family is supposed to work this way. 
God's family, he wants it this way with God's family. Who do you have that's watching your back? I need, see, I need people to help me stay on track. I need people to call me out. I need people to say, wait a second. Let me help you. Hebrews 13.1 This is what the early church was taught. Keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. It was, it was just a... It's what God wanted in His church. Number four. I need others to wait and weep with me. Not only walk with me and work with me and watch me, but to wait and weep with me. Oh, there's, there are just some things. Some things you don't want to go through by yourself. Am I right? There are just some things a person should never have to go through by themselves. Maybe it's a diagnosis. They shouldn't have to be waiting by themselves in some waiting room for the doctor by themselves. Maybe it's they've been fired. They've been fired. And for whatever reason, you don't have to experience that by yourself. You shouldn't experience that by yourself. Or maybe it's divorce. I've sat with people who just found out the wife has filed for divorce and they're devastated. And there's no way I could leave their side. You shouldn't have to experience that. Some of you here have experienced an infant death. Or a mom dying or a dad dying, or a sibling dying. And you know, those moments, and I've done so many funerals, I've lost count now. I looked at all the funerals I was doing in my computer. I've lost count so many times, but I noticed something about, uh, when I think about that funeral, and that funeral, and that funeral, all the people that were around those families, how good it was then, how much support, how much, you know, sometimes people just need to, just to show up and shut up. That's what I learned in preacher school. They don't have to say anything. You worry about saying something stupid? Let me get you off the hook here. You don't have to worry about saying anything. Just nod your head. Being there matters. I say this as a minister and also from personal experience, and you can say this as well from personal experience. When family shows up, when your family of God shows up to a loved one's funeral that you're connected to, doesn't it mean something? When my father passed away, I had people driving from here three hours to be at my father's visitation and funeral, and it meant the world to me. I'll never forget it. Years ago, 2004, Robert and I were, were making this transition in the pulpit. And the way it was going to work was I was going to preach one Sunday. Remember those days? Oh, boy. One Sunday a month. I didn't think I could do that. One Sunday a month for the first three months. Then I'd do two Sundays a month for the next three months. And then he would just slowly phase out and we kind of hand it off like a, like a relay race. February 14th. A dad commits suicide. And the next day I'm to preach. I'm watching monster trucks at the TWA Dome. You know, that's what it was then. And I get this call. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? See, my sermon for that Sunday was bringing your worship to work. I preached that sermon last year. 
I can't preach on work after something like this has happened. There are family members of this dad in this audience. And I decided I stayed up all night and worked on a sermon called What Do You Do When Your World Falls Apart? And all I did was cry through that whole service. I don't even know if anybody understood my point. But I just talked about Job and, and just cried. We had first-time guests there that says, Listen, Tim, you cried the whole time. We thought we got to come back and see how you'd be if you didn't cry. And we just were just blown away by it. But I remember being just so distraught, so devastated. It wasn't my father, but it was people I loved, dearly loved. And I'm thinking, how awful. Just a block or so away where it happened. And I remember Denise and I, we had a small group that afternoon. We're having supper together. And we go, we go to this home. And I'm just sitting there. And I am numb. I am out of it. I, I don't, and I remember my wife walking up behind me, putting her hands on my shoulder and saying to everybody at the table, listen, um, Tim's going through a real difficult time right now. He doesn't have anything left to give. Could you just give to him? And everybody sat around the table, didn't say a word. We ate together. And my, my small group got me through some tough stuff. Many of you showed up when I was in bad shape, got me through some tough stuff. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You've had something happen to you. And you know, thank God, praise God, you didn't have to face it alone. You had a network of people and they weren't just family in, in your you know, sharing the last name and your blood. They shared the blood of Christ. And they shared the name Christian. Praise God for that. We need people like that. You need people like that in your life. I'm just so thankful I didn't have to suffer that alone. The Bible says here, if one, man's, one member suffers, all suffer together. God doesn't want you to suffer alone. I'll say it to you again. If you ever wonder about going to a funeral, let me help you. Go. You go. Why? Because when you just show up and shut up, you say volumes to people who've lost a loved one. I'm noticing more and more that older people are still going to funerals, but younger people have stopped. I don't know why you're doing it. Why you don't. You probably, oh, I don't know, I've got time. I've got... You need to make the time to attend funerals in this church to support, encourage. Because one day it's going to be you that's going to need that. And you'll be glad. Not because you went to their funeral and it's payback, but you're going to see why it's so important. And I'd rather have you see it now than later. So what's God's answer? Well, community is God's answer to despair. That's how He addresses despair in our lives. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. We just love each other. I think First Peter 3, back it up there, says you should be like one big happy family. Here's the definition of a big happy family. Full of sympathy toward each other. Loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. That's what it means to wait and weep. I need people to do that and I need to be that person too to be willing to wait and weep with them. Number five, as we close, I need others to witness with me. Why do I need others? I need them to witness with me. Now, 
This word witness is kind of, uh, back in the 70s, we used it a lot when I went to church. You may not have heard witness very much anymore. What is a witness? Well, he brings proof. He usually brings proof of something. He's an eyewitness, and he brings proof in a case, if you, if you, if you, if you see what I'm saying there. Um, as a witness, my love brings credibility to the, to the gospel. Look at this here in, first, in uh, John 13. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Now, I know I can prove to the world I'm a disciple by following the teachings of Jesus. Would you agree with that? But Jesus doesn't bring that out, does he? He says to a group of his disciples, he doesn't say, you know, you can show the world you're my disciples if, if you all follow me and do what I, I tell you to do. Well, that's a gimme that we're going to do that individually. But as a group, he says, as a one another idea, he says, your love for one another will prove that. How I treat my Christian brother and sister, how we treat each other brings credibility like a witness brings proof. In a case, we, our love for each other is the acid test and it brings credibility to the gospel. You see, what we teach, church, what we teach in a small group, what we teach as a church is seen more than heard. What we teach is seen more than it's heard. I have five grandchildren. I've made that clear. And one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm getting weary of hearing, but I need to hear it on a regular basis, is, Tim, watch out what you say and watch out what you're doing. Why is that? Because you're teaching your grandchildren bad habits. You don't want to repeat what you say. Stop talking. Just nod your head sometimes at these kids. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not with my grandkids five minutes, and one of them, either my wife or... Maybe a daughter-in-law will give me this stink eye or concerned look. Stink eye from the wife, concerned look from the daughter-in-law. Why did you say that? Why are you doing that? We have we get we get around to eat a meal. This is what I'm talking about right here. We're going to hold hands. In my family, we could hold hands and we would squeeze each other's hand into prayer three times. Pop, 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 which means I love you. And if they'd squeeze their hand back. Pop, 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 pop. I love you too. So we're praying for the food. And it's so sweet. It's wonderful. Little hands and big hands. And then, amen. And then one of my grandkids goes, Eat, Pete. They put their elbows on the table. Eat, Pete. And I get the stink eye. Why? Because I taught them that. I'm over there going, ee, pee. I look over, ee, pee. Stop doing that, Tim. And now it's, now I've got, now I'm hearing sighs. Ee, pee. Oh. What is, these little kids, their eyes, their ears, they capture it all, don't they? I've got an aunt, Aunt Helen Ann tells this story. She was with her. Her one of her nieces, about three years old, and they're in the car. This is before car seats, so little niece is in the back seat, got her elbow on the back of the seat, you know, like the standing in the back seat, and a cat runs out in front of the car, and she squeals at Tarzan and goes, Shh. and the little girls, Shh. 
says, stop, stop. Just saying it over and over again. Boy, they sure catch. You know, they listen. They watch us, don't they? I don't think people ever outgrow that. Do they? Your friends, your unbelieving friends, your co-workers, they still listen. They still watch like a little child. Yeah, sometimes they're looking for you to trip up, but they're also seeing specifically how you treat other Christians. I mean, if you tell people you're a churchgoer, guess what? Big old target. And they're watching you now. And if they see you gossiping about people, hello, gossiping about people, complaining about your brothers and sisters in Christ, it just goes in. And they're watching you. And you know what they've just realized? Oh, your relationships are just like my relationships. And Jesus says, no. No, they're not. They're not supposed to be like that. Because your love for one another will prove to the world now, by the way, not what you teach, not what your doctrine. They'll explain that away, but no one can explain away love. It's very difficult to explain away love. And they see how you and I treat each other. That's either going to give credibility or destroy credibility for what God is trying to say to the world. You see, when I bring a guest to church, you better be on your game. Am I the only person that feels that way? I bet you some of you are going, well, when I bring somebody to church, you better be on your game too. I know the pressure's on, isn't it? I want us to be at our best. But whenever, it isn't just here. When you're somewhere and you bump into a guest or some friend or somebody, period, and you're with another Christian brother and sister, do they see a difference? Or is it just basically the same as any other friendship, any other relationship in the world? God will, does not want to be outdone by the world. He wants, he wants the relationships in His kingdom to be markedly different. And I say this out of weakness, not out of some expertise. I know that's true. And see, sometimes I need others to witness with me because I might lack something. I might lack courage or competence or confidence. And stuff just gets by me. But with you and I working together, with you and I watching each other, watching each other's back, when we're walking together, when we experience everything together, our witness together is so powerful. You're able to pick up something I didn't see. You're able to, to help me reach my friend, and I'm able to help you reach your friend by working together like that. Look what the Bible says here. Above all else, you must live in a way that brings honor to the good news about Christ. Then, whether I visit you or not, I'll hear that all of you think alike. I will know that you're working together and that you're struggling side by side to get others to believe the good news. You see, we need each other to help our message. We need each other to help reach our friends. Nobody is reached by one person, folks. It takes a lot more than that. It takes a team. It takes different people. I wasn't reached just by Denise. She had a team of people around me. And you stop and think about it. It wasn't just, yeah, maybe one person did a lot of the talking, but all them other people were involved as well. 
well, hey, maybe you need to get off the bench and get involved to help somebody reach their family. So the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at some one another passages. Next week, be praying for me. I want to talk about being a person of influence, influencing one another. How do we do that? How do we influence? How do we teach each other? The Bible says teach one another. How do I do that? And if you know somebody that needs some help with a relationship, don't hesitate to bring them here the next several weeks. We're going to be doing this series all the way to Easter. And then on Easter Sunday, we're going to be looking at fools. Because it's on April Fool's Day. Did you know that? Easter's on April Fool's Day. What a worship service that'll be, huh? (laughs) We're going to be looking at that. Let's pray together. And uh, you, you know about the cards. If you have a card in your bulletin, you know if you want to fill it out, you can. After I pray, we're going to sing and you can fill that card out. Maybe there's a prayer request. Maybe there's a decision you need to make. Maybe you want people to pray for you to see the crowded loneliness around you and help you with that. Or maybe you'd like to be a part of a small group and you want to show some interest in that. I want to be a part of a small group. Or maybe let somebody approach you to come to their group. We're going to pray and give you an opportunity to respond to those cards. Then we're going to take up all those cards after this song and then uh, we'll take up our regular contribution along with that. And by the way, if you're a guest, we want you to know you're not any obligation to give. We're not really trying to get anything from you today. We want to give you something. We hope we've given you something good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, this morning, Lord. Thank you for community that's possible, Lord. We live in a culture that just seems like we're, we're constantly dividing over things, uniting on less. And we're, we're, we, we see differences and we capitalize on that, Father. And we know, Father, that this desire to be individuals sometimes gets in the way of our relationships. Father, would you help, help Greater Alton Church be a place of love? Help us be a place that creates your kind of community. Father, would you let us today each of us here in our seats, look at our relationships, to look at our relationships with each other. What kind of friend are we being? Not pointing fingers at others, but but just look at ourselves. What can we do personally to create better community here? And Father, I know some of us here, we may need to start with our relationship with you. Because without our relationship with you, it's, it's impossible to have one with other believers And so, Father, for those of us here, we pray that we'll look at our relationship with you and and let people speak into our lives. Father, some of us here are studying the Bible. Father, we pray that your word will be effective and powerful so our relationship with you can be first and and great. Father, thank you for grandkids, for Mabry Jo. Father, uh, thank you for bringing her safely into this world. And Father, I pray that we'll be a church that this generation can hand off to her that builds community like no other place in the world. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.